Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. Well, I just checked my calendar, and yes, it's time for another Q&A with Dr. J. I ask questions that I've gathered from many sources, and Dr. Jennings provides the needed answers. He doesn't know what's coming, but I haven't stumped him yet. This program is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries, and Dr. Jennings joins us via Skype. Dr. Jennings, are you ready to answer a few questions about life and living? Let's do it, Charles. Okay, here we go. First question. Dr. Jennings, I have a lot of doubts about God, even if he exists— if he does exist, am I killing my chance to live in heaven with my doubts? Interesting question how that's phrased. So it sounds like this person is interested in God, yeah. just is not sure uh, and have doubts. So I would say to this person, well, what, what is the basis of your doubts? Why do you doubt? Where's that coming from? Mm-hmm. And I would want to provide the evidences to this person that would take away their doubts and build confidence. From that question alone, I have so many possibilities about what could be going on there. Maybe they were educated in in, in the public school systems and have been told evolutionary theories. And, and I would want to show them the evidences in science that actually refute a godless origins. And in fact, it is impossible for life to have originated as we understand understand life without God, or a higher intelligence at least, because life requires uh, physical matter, energy, and coded information in the DNA of the living organisms, of every organism. And information cannot code itself. Letters cannot form themselves into words and into sentences and paragraphs and and books, and that's what's required for life to exist. So there has to be an intelligence there. So I would want to know, is that the problem, or is the problem that the view of God that you've had, so has it come from the science side that you've been indoctrinated with a false belief, or has it come from the religious side, the religious system that presented a God that was irrational and nonsensical, arbitrary and punitive, that it was difficult to believe in. And I would want to show the evidence from Scripture that that punitive and punishing God is really not the God of Scripture. It's a misrepresentation of what Scripture is actually teaching us, that the true revelation of God is in Jesus, who is self-sacrificial and a God of love, wanting to heal and restore us. So wherever their doubts are coming from, I'd want to identify them and just show them the evidence that is compelling and overwhelming that would hopefully disabuse them of those false beliefs and instill a sense of confidence confidence and trust. Okay, very good. Next question here for Dr. Jennings. Uh, Dr. Jennings, how do I explain Jesus to a Muslim or to an atheist? That's a good question. How do you do that? I don't necessarily start with Jesus, ultimately, with an atheist. Mm -hmm. I start with the evidences from science and the design laws and the constants that there has to be something more than uh, simply randomness that brought life and then brought intelligence. And so those conversations with the atheist, in my view, are quite easy to have because the evidence is so compelling Mm -hmm. that they cannot refute it. What I've discovered, most of the time, the atheists I've talked to are are disingenuine. They actually have no interest in following evidence and truth. Mm -hmm. They have interest in in holding to their false belief system and acting the snark or the the uh, the critic, um, but not actually pursuing truth. So you have to have an assessment of the atheist you're talking to to see whether they're actually seeking to know real truth. And if so, the evidence is overwhelming. It doesn't take much these days to to gather four or five compelling pieces of evidence. And I already gave one in this podcast that you can pull out, and it's a knife to the heart of a godless system. Islam is a different system. 
I'm not an expert in Islam, so I would re- refer people to to other Christian resources that that have uh, really made a effective approach to speaking to to Muslims about Christ. Because many Muslims do believe in Christ, they believe in Jesus as one of the prophets, and and they've never really evaluated uh, fully the Im- implications of what was actually written about Jesus in their own writings versus the the scriptures. And and so having some exploration of those writings with them might be beneficial. Okay. Now, here's a little bit of a curveball I'm throwing you here. Dr. Jennings, can an atheist go to heaven? I know there's a lot to unpack here. Could you give us a three-minute version of an answer? Well, so Paul wrote in Romans chapter 2, starting verse 12, that those who have not heard the law, that's Torah, that's Scripture, Mm -hmm. but do by nature the things contained in the law, a law unto themselves, showing that law has been written on their heart. Now, what is the new covenant? I will write my law on your heart. So Paul is telling us there are people out there who've never heard scripture, yet have somehow responded to the movements of the Holy Spirit who's working on all hearts and have embraced the principles of God, which are the principle of truth, love, and freedom, and have those principles written on their hearts. And Paul says that they are going to be saved. So the short answer is yes. And the metaphor I like to use would be the metaphor of uh, penicillin, okay? If penicillin comes from various molds, and if back in times before modern science, people had a wound and, and they took some moss from a tree and tied it on their leg, and that moss happened to have the mold that produces penicillin, would, would they benefit from the penicillin? Of course they will, but they don't even know about it, but yet they still benefit from it. Does that mean, though, because people can benefit from, from getting penicillin through molds on a tree, that there's no benefit in actually pharmaceutically producing it, educating people about it, and informing them how to take it when they're sick. Mm -hmm. No, there's great benefit in that. Mm -hmm. So there's great benefit in us taking the distilled gospels revealed in Jesus to the world. That doesn't mean, though, that the principles that Jesus brought to us and the saving power that he brought to us can't necessarily be accessed through the work of the Holy Spirit on hearts of people who haven't yet heard about it. In case somebody's listening and go, yeah, but the Bible says that there's no other name under heaven whereby men can be saved. Absolutely. So that person who hasn't heard Jesus is still being saved by the achievements of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is applying what Jesus achieved in the person in that person's life, even though they haven't yet heard the name Jesus yet. We're not suggesting that anybody is ever saved without Jesus. We're suggesting that the application of what Jesus has achieved for our salvation can be brought to honest of heart people who are seeking God's principles in their life before they even have a knowledge of them. And in Zechariah, the prophet Zechariah gives us insight of that when he when he gives this a vision of a future where people will see the wounds in Jesus' hand and they will say, where did you get those wounds? And Jesus says, I received these at the house of my friends. And Zechariah's prophesying that there would be people that are saved that won't know the gospel story. They won't know about Jesus being crucified. They'll say, where do those wounds come from? And Jesus has to explain it to them. So I think we have both from Paul and Zechariah strong evidence that there are some individuals who will be saved who have never had the actual affirmative gospel message preached to them. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't preach any more than we shouldn't develop penicillin. What a loving God we have. Q&A with Dr. J is ongoing right now on this program today. Here's the next question. Dr. Jennings. Oh, this is a sad one. Does grieving ever stop? Sometimes I feel like I can't breathe. What do you say to this person? You didn't ask, can grieving stop? You ask, does Does, grieving stop? The does is totally dependent on the individual who's grieving. Hmm. Grieving is a wound, and grieving is normal when you've been wounded. I have many patients who have had deep loss. Some heal and stop grieving. 
Some don't and continue grieving. The pain of grief is absolutely normal after loss, mm-hmm. just like the physical pain is normal if somebody gassed your leg with a knife. Yes. The question, though, after the wound is, do I have normal or impaired wound healing? Hmm. And there are some individuals out there who continue to grieve and never seem to stop grieving, not because their initial grief was somehow flawed or faulty, but because something has interfered with the wound healing and they are not allowing the grief to heal. So can grief heal? Absolutely. Does that mean you'll ever come to a place where you don't miss that person that you've lost? I don't think so. What it means is that the wound is like if you have a physical scar on your body and you see that scar, there's a scar there, and you remember the pain of the cut, you remember the bleeding, you remember the sutures, you remember the bruising and the itching and the healing, but none of that is happening to you now. You're not raw, you're not hurting, you have memories of it, and that's how it is when we lose people. We can heal those wounds. We will never forget them. We will always look forward to the day we're with them again, but that doesn't mean we have to be raw, broken, and bleeding now. Hmm. Dr. Jennings is the next question here. You've said that forgiving people is important to our mental and physical health. I get that. But how do you forgive yourself when you've done something you knew was wrong? Oh, dear. So the question to me uh, really isn't simply about forgiveness. It's about change of heart. Mm. Has the heart changed such that you're no longer the same person who did those things? Or is the heart still longing to do those things, but you just know it's bad to do it? Mm. And so I would focus instead on, have I had a change of heart where those things are no longer the things I want to do? And if that's the case, then you want to identify, well, why do I still find myself doing it? And you want to identify the various vulnerabilities that you have, the various tripping up points and triggers. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 7 when he when he talks about the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing the things that I want to do, I, I don't do. Right. The heart that is converted, you have a heart that longs for the righteousness and the holiness of God. But if prior to that you had certain patterns of sinful living, then you've wired into your brain certain conditioned responses and reflexes that will react and act or law in certain ways that uh, is not what your new heart wants to do anymore. And it takes time of practice and purposeful intention of acting in new ways for the new circuits in your brain to be established and the old circuits to be pruned back. And in that process, there can be sometimes old behaviors manifested that are really not part of your new heart's desire. It's important for you to recognize that, go to the Lord, and then evaluate what was the tripping point that triggered you to go down the old pathways again, and then put in a plan of action that will insulate you and protect you from the vulnerabilities of those old pathways. All right. Well, we have about 90 seconds left here. Here's our final question for today. This is a personal one. Dr. Jennings, what do you do to relax? How do you unwind from the stress of a day? Well, I've really disciplined myself to keep work at work. Mm -hmm. And so I do good notes. So when I see my patients, the information goes into the notes. And I've made a, a really mental practice of leaving my work at work. I don't go home with it on my shoulders. Early in my residency, I was taught, you know, the question of, well, should I admit this patient to the hospital or not? And uh, uh, could they be safe to go home? Uh, Might they be suicidal? Should I admit? Don't admit? And, And it was a very simple answer I got from my faculty, and I've lived by it. If you send them home and you can't sleep tonight, 
you admit them. Okay. Okay. That's very simple. So if I go, oh, I'm it's serious enough that I'm worried about them, they go in the hospital. Yeah. And so I make decisions that always err on the side of patient safety. And then I document well. And when I go home, I don't carry those problems with me and I really don't think about them at home. And my home I've created as a sanctuary for myself and it's a place that is comfortable and enjoyable for me and I spend time with my wife and I listen to Christian music and I like to read and in reading I, I find a lot of relaxation. So you're saying leave the stress where it belongs and that's in the stressful work world and to do that you make sure that you've documented what you need, you, you don't try to remember everything, you write it down, you make notes and then you just leave it there when you leave, when you go home, is that right? That's what I do, yes, yeah. and I don't carry the problems with me everywhere. All right, very good. Well, Dr. Jennings, I appreciate the answers you give on our Q&A. And listener, if you would like to be involved in our Q&A that we put up every once in a while here, you can ask your questions at comeandreason.com. You can follow the About Us, Contact Us section, or you can send to requests at comeandreason.com. That's requests at comeandreason.com and just say, I'd like to ask Dr. Jennings this question for the radio program. And then put your question or two down there and we'll make sure that we address those on our next program. Requests at comeandreason.com. Again, that website is a very active place. You can find a lot of good resources available to you, books and podcasts and sharing tracks and blogs and all kinds of ways of interacting with Dr. Jennings' ministry, come and reason, and you can become part of this global ministry by visiting there and looking around and just being blessed by what Dr. Jennings has put there for us to enjoy. Comeandreason.com. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much. Appreciate it. You're welcome, Charles, and thank you. And this program was sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. Tim Jennings wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. Music